Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Day number whatever it is. That's the official branding here on the show. Uh, Day number whatever it is at the Murdoch trial in Colleton County, South Carolina. Matt Harris joins us again. Uh, He is the morning co-host of the Matt Ramona Show on our sister station, Mix 107.9. He's also been producing and hosting a uh, co-hosting a podcast on the Murdoch cases with Seton Tucker. And uh, you heard them last night here on WBT filling in for Brett Jensen, and they're going to be doing it again tonight as well. Uh, and Matt, welcome back. You doing all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, <laughs> this trial, this whole situation, it, it is absolutely insane. There's like never a day without some sort of drama. Yeah, and I know people were complaining about the financial stuff and, you know, oh, this isn't a tax fraud case. This isn't a financial crimes case. But the prosecution's been putting all these, uh, the, you know, the law firms and the bankers and the, the bookkeepers and stuff to, to point out, like, the extent to which Alec Murdoch was, was on tilt, right? I mean, the guy owed millions of dollars to the bank. Uh, in in all these different loans, he had been stealing millions of dollars from clients and and friends uh, and the law firm, uh, and so all of that speaks to motive. They say right, and so then today was sort of the culmination with this guy Mark Tinsley, the lawyer for the Beach family that was suing and was going to go after him for everything he was worth personally. They were going to get all this money from him because they knew he wasn't broke, and uh, and that uh, Tinsley took the stand late yesterday into today. And then did I miss it or did the defense like ask him one question and that was it? They they were in and out fast. It was the concept I think of well, first of all, Tinsley is an attorney. Yes. And he was an amazing witness for the prosecution. Why cause uh any more smoke, for lack of a better term, right? Let's mm-hmm. move along. Nothing to see here. Right. So what? But I I thought though that it was important because of who they called up next, which is the housekeeper, because he said, "I'm going to go after. I'm going to go after you for everything. You're going to have to pay. You got to come out of pocket." He told Alec that at that trial lawyers conference, in Hilton Head, and in Hilton Head, and then today the housekeeper takes the stand, and there's a couple of major developments out of this. Right. So let's first talk about the conversation that almost didn't get admitted into evidence. There were a lot of objections over that. So. What was this conversation that the housekeeper, uh, what uh, Blanca Simpson, uh, that she Blanca. had with uh, with Maggie? Well, Maggie told her that she was nervous about and the number. I believe it goes from my notes. I think it was thirty million. Yep, was the number. Uh, so she was nervous about that. She was anxious about that, and the objection was from Harpulian was that this trial is not about Maggie's state of mind. Maggie's state of mind has nothing to do with whether or not Alec murdered her and Paul. That was the objection. This is like hearsay, he says, because it adds nothing to motive. It adds nothing to uh, further along the story of why Alec would do this. Now, <laughs> one would argue if Maggie is extremely nervous about being, uh, you know, losing $30 million, then it would stand to reason that Alec might be the one who told her about that, or Alec is nervous as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we've mentioned in the past, the hearing with Tinsley and the boat crash was the 10th, I believe, and the 7th was the murders. 
Right. So, so the, the hearing would have been three days after the murders, yep. but that got postponed. And what Tinsley said today also, right, he said that the, the case against Alec goes away because he becomes a sympathetic person and you don't, you know, what do you say, uh, like uh, good people win verdicts or something like that. And so if you're going after this guy that had his wife and kid murdered, the jury's not going to give, they're not going to make him pay millions of dollars. He's lost his entire family at that point. Right. And, when, and Paul's off the table and Maggie's off the table as far as mm-hmm. who they can collect money from. Uh, so talking about Parker's convenience store. But yeah, because there's this theory going around like, okay, you're going to hate Alec Murdoch. Because we'll just keep bringing up friend after friend after friend that said Alec Murdoch screwed him over. Technically, the jury's not supposed to be paying attention to that. They're only supposed to be paying attention to whether or not the clock was ticking and he was up against it. He was about to be found out. And then that's why he had to kill them. Right. But it is hard as a human, right, to shake off the fact of all the people that he was ripping off and go, okay, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to ignore that. doesn't mean to me. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. so, we, and so my question still is where was all the money going, right? I mean, I know he yeah. bought a lot of stuff and they had, you know, they had a lot of toys and ATVs and guns and properties and stuff, but to, to steal the amount of money, not to mention the legit money that he was making, right? He, he was pulling in legitimate money uh, for, uh, you know, the last 20 years, whatever. So where did all of the money go? And I don't know, Maybe they will address that. I'm not sure. But uh, the the housekeeper, and she's more than just a housekeeper, we should say. Like, that was, she she helped, she was helping the family out, and they kind of hired her on to do that. But, uh, I mean, this was, uh, she was an impressive woman, and, uh, like, a long career in all these different fields, was a corrections officer, and was in the military and all this. Um, but yeah. she just wanted something to do. She was going crazy, and she became a friend of Maggie Murdoch. And when they had that conversation about the money, what did she, uh, she said that Maggie had told her she she thought that Alec was keeping stuff from her uh, right. about that. Um, all right, so then um, then the the day of the the day of the murders, uh, Maggie, what calls her and says, "Hey, I need. Can you go and make some food or something at the house?" Yeah, Paul likes the way you cook. Can you go make some food? And what's important about this conversation is there's been this speculation that she told a friend and that was like he he lured her to moselle because she was going to stay at edisto well this is apparently the friend in a way because she says that maggie wanted to go to edisto they were having work done at their edisto beach property she wanted to kind of supervise it but she told blanca that alec really really wanted her to come home so she was going to do it but she was at a doctor's appointment she wasn't gonna have time to do dinner and all that and uh and, and alec also wanted paul there so, so Alec asked for Maggie and Paul to come to the murder scene. Yes. yes. That seems important. Yes. Yes, it's very important. <laughs> yes. So he Especially asked him to come. She, Maggie uh, wanted to go to Edisto because of the work that was being done. And, and she even comments on uh, a text to another person who's, who says, I won't say it the way she said it, but she's like, I, I guess I'll have to trust the workers uh, to close the back door and lock it. Mm-hmm. Because obviously she was planning on going back. Right. So she so Maggie then is on her way up there. Blanca makes the makes the dinner, but nobody is there yet, right? So she just what leaves the food there for them and then she gets ready to and then she she takes off? Well, Alec uh is not a morning person. She says Right. So she sees Alec leave for work the day of the murders and talks about the sea foam shirt that he has on and his sport coat. Right, cuz she helps him tuck the collar in so she remembers the shirt. Yep. Yep, yep. 
Um, and then when, you know, they were asked about that shirt, uh, it's never been seen again. She says that, that as far as you know, that doesn't exist. And we just don't know where it is. She has a, a firm memory of all the clothes that they have. Uh, also the shoes that he left in, uh, were not ever found again. So she, um, right, she essentially confirms, and she would know because she did all their laundry. She she yeah. could tell you where everything was in yeah. all of their, be- in their bedroom, where he would put these T-shirts and these types of pants and this and that. And so she, she knows his clothing because she washes them all. And, right. right, and she said she has not seen those clothes uh, that he was wearing in the video that was shot, like, what, two hours or an hour before Alec took off, yeah, and and the murders occurred just coincidentally right about the same time. And so Mm -hmm. that video of him standing next to that tree, we have never seen those clothes again. Never seen that clothes again. And she did it. The sneakers were collected at the scene with these brightly colored Nike sneakers. Uh, And, of course, uh, we know he's wearing a white T-shirt at the scene. Right. All right, so, and she also said she found a, a, a T-shirt, a folded T-shirt on the floor in the closet yep. or something, and she said, that, like, essentially what I got from that was like, he grabbed a T-shirt. Yes. And now, but it's obvious that he changed clothing, and it's obvious that he took a shower because she said there was a damp yep. towel there and there, but he could have he done that after he woke up from his nap, right? I mean, I, I right. suspect. that's So I didn't find any that she said she didn't find any blood anywhere. But here's the thing also, that... He calls her up and says, hey, could you come to the house and tidy it up like like Maggie liked it? You know how she liked it. And then he tells her, when you're coming to the house, you got all the investigators down at the kennel. So come the other way and just go right into the house. And she does it. And now yeah. you got her walking through the crime scene. Well, listen, I don't, I don't think you said it at the beginning, but they probably caught on. This is June 8th, okay? June 7th is the murders. This is 12 hours later, whatever it is. She goes to Almeida where uh, Alec and Paul slept, uh, and that's when he says, hey, go to the, you know, yeah, go to the crime scene now. Right. Go to the house and clean it up. You know how Maggie likes it. And, and, and you know, don't go where the sled guys are. They're at the kennel. That's the scene of the crime, more or less. And sled says, okay, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, they, they okay. see her, right? They see her at some point, and there's no yeah. question as to, hey, there's this housekeeper literally cleaning up a crime scene. Literally. Right. Now, now the argument that I mean, if Sled's trying to defend themselves, it would be a weak case, but they would say, well, that's not the crime scene. The crime scene is the kennels. But, you know, the husband, you know, he's never a suspect. Uh, no, no, never. No, no, no. no. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, though, that some people were making a point out of, and they really shouldn't, is like there was no pots on the stove. Maggie apparently was just... That sounds like a slob. She was, yeah. After dinner, she would just leave the pots there or maybe put them in the sink or something like that. But they were in the refrigerator with uh, lids on, and all wasn't. she had never done that. However, as I know from talking to people, the night of the murders, people were congregating in that Moselle house. Right. So it wasn't like somebody snuck in and it could have been anybody that did that right because they contaminated the crime scene and maybe that's why sled didn't care when she shows up the next day because they're like look we already blew this crime scene so uh who cares you know like they've already contaminated it with everybody else that was there that night so right. who cares yeah maybe it could have been somebody else that came that saw them on the stove and just stuck them in the fridge and that's the same thing because she brings up that maggie's 
PJs were folded like they're not normally folded, and she, for some reason, added that, and there was underwear yeah. there, and Maggie doesn't wear underwear. When she wears her pajamas, right. Yeah, so who knows? Yeah, who knows? There could be, there could be other explanations for that. Has she gone under cross-examination yet from the defense? Um, she, she did, and I'm, I'm watching that right now, uh, but they uh, broke. They're going to be back with her and some more in a minute. Okay. Um, after lunch, they're going to... They... They, uh, I kept having objections on that part too, because, uh, now that, now that was the, uh, prosecution that was objecting because, uh, he said, okay, did, uh, the, he said, the Harpulian said to Blanca, did Sled, uh, did he, did Alec tell you Sled asked him about this photo? And then they object. They're like, well, you're just trying to get, Alex Storian, mm. blah, 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 and then they fought, and then the judge was like, come on, people. <laughs> what are you doing here? I think that's the legal, um, that's the legal standard there. Yeah. Yes, but it, it is. It, it, I don't know where they're going to go with it, but the, the thing is, it's not so much the evidence that she pointed to, it's the evidence that's missing, mm-hmm. but how couldn't the defense kind of go like, hey, this guy, you know, he was living in 100 different places after this, murder he lived in almeida for a little bit and you know he was a mess and okay you can't find the shirt what do you want me to do about it well she did say the raincoat she didn't believe was his she never saw that raincoat and he has a whole bunch of raincoats Mm. she knows all the raincoats and he's a double xl and that raincoat was was, a large uh, large yeah all right matt harris one more thing i want to add real quick well dude Um, i'm already like three minutes late for my traffic you want to hang on and do another segment yeah sure if you want okay yeah i do all right hang on All righty, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right, we're talking with Matt Harris. Of course, Matt Harris is the co-host of the podcast Impact of Influence. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. It's covering all of the Murdoch cases for the last... How long have you been doing that podcast, by the way? Is it like, what, two years now? It was... uh, We started uh, 15 days after the murders of Maggie and Paul. So Uh, June of 21. 2021. We just finished... We just... uh, released our 100th episode yesterday. Congratulations. It's very, very successful. Yeah, congrats. You've been on Court TV all over the place as well. Uh, and you may know him as uh, the you know the lesser half of the Matt and Ramona show <laughs> over on uh, our sister station, Mix 107.9. So, um, all right, so we were running through a lot of stuff with the housekeeper and friend. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to find a way to describe her because she was Maggie Murdoch's friend as well. Right. Um, and so she uh, she took the standard name as Blanca... Uh, I forget her her maiden name, but Simpson's her last name. Her husband is a is a law enforcement officer, if I recall. Right. All right. So, yeah. what was it that you wanted to add that I cut you off on? It sounded like it was a pretty important piece of information. Yeah, not as important as traffic. Um, <laughs> no, 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 not as important as the ads. Oh yeah, that, oh, that's come on, right man. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it was just that she uh, was very insistent, and even on cross, on saying Blanca was that. She felt Alec was pressuring her to say that he wasn't wearing that shirt. And this is consistent with Alec Murdoch throughout the years. He wants that narrative. He, he, the, the, uh, the, the caretaker of his mom talked about how he kept trying to kind of force her to say he was there 30 to 40 minutes, even though he didn't need it. Right. We know he did it after the, 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 the Mallory Beach boating fatality. He went to the hospital and was doing that. When Gloria Satterfield died uh, after falling in Moselle, 
he ran around, told everybody that would listen that his dogs knocked her over. I mean, this is the thing that he does. But what I really want to say was the jailhouse tapes, remember when they were released uh, a while back? It was Everybody kind of wondered, or not everybody, but when you dig it in, he kept saying uh, to a couple different people, Buster, I think, was one, and maybe his sister, have you talked to Blanca? It came up multiple times. Have you talked to Blanca? Mm. And now, in retrospect, that's like, okay, are we, is she getting the story together? You know what I mean? Right. He said, so he doesn't, he, he doesn't ever say, and this came out with the, uh, with the caregiver, uh, Shelly Smith. Uh, she, you know, he, he didn't say, now I want you to say this thing. He never, no. he never makes it overt. He never no. applies direct pressure. He just suggests, he just, he, he right. plants this sort of idea that, oh yeah, you remember I was here 30, 40 minutes. Right. Oh yeah. You remember where that shirt, I was wearing this shirt and there's right. no reason for you to say these things. You just say them. And, and it's this, and he, like you mentioned also right after the boat crash, when they're at the hospital and he's going around and he's coaching and he seems yep. helpful and people are like, Oh, he's smart. He's powerful. He knows what right. he's doing. So I'm going to take his advice. And here you have these two women. They're like, no, th- those were, that was a lie. <laughs> he was right. lying. Right. right. And if you're going to lie about, I think he can help himself. Well, and if you're going to lie about those two pieces of information, along with the lie about being at the kennels right before the murders, if you're going to lie about those things, then why are you lying about it? And to me, like it's starting, I said this, the case is going to be, I think it's going to be made on the, uh, on the timeline, right? And so I'm not sure how you, how you can account for the, the trip, you know, and doing everything he's doing, talking on the phone, because he also had the Chris Wilson testimony where he said, no, I talked to the guy, and if he had just murdered his wife, basically, and his kid, he didn't sound like it. Right. So the, the, the timeline, the timeline was, uh, I don't know if you talked about it yesterday, the timeline where they, they talked about now how the car, they could tell by the infotainment system when it was on and when it was off. Right. Uh, and all that. The crazy thing is, though, all of that fit into the original timeline that we had pieced together from what people were saying and everything. This idea of he had, he didn't even have to lie. <laughs> right? Except for what happened at that kennel thing. He had to lie about not being at the kennel. Right. But being there at the, at the, at the mom's house for 22 minutes, it's all he needed. Right. That was fine. So it's insane. I, I, but there's still, you're right. It's at 844 video and around 845 and then uh you know 16 minutes later he's getting in his car and driving to his mom's house right so they're gonna have to fill in those gaps for me like how did he get the car how did he get rid of the car how did he get rid of the phone how did he get rid of the the clothing where where was that built into the timeline where is there enough time for him to do that 15 minutes right and is that enough time to do all of those things right yeah i mean it's, it's probably even a little less than that i think you're stretching at 16 but still yeah um now granted there's lots of places you could get rid of shirts and guns and things like that but still that's a lot yeah um and also the uh the you know they're assuming that these were the firearms used the murder weapons and the prosecution has you know been making this argument through all of these other shell casings and all these other guns but they don't have the guns right and uh, but we do know that they're missing right two two of the family's guns are missing yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, man, two different guns. He either tried to make it look like someone took them out or there may have been somebody else there with him or he did it himself and he's actually a really fast runner. I don't know. 
And there's also the theory that it was supposed to be a murder-suicide. Oh, interesting. And that's why he threw the Labor Day one. He couldn't do it himself. He had Eddie, Eddie come over and do it. Mm. All righty. Mm. Matt, you're going to be on tonight, right? 7 o'clock with uh, your co-host uh, the, the, of the Steve podcast. She's going to be there tonight. She's taking actually some time for family and fun. Okay. All right. So it's just you flying solo. All right. 7 o'clock tonight right here on WBT. Check out the podcast sure. Impact of Influence. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. All right, buddy. Bye. All righty. Hey, we got another one. We got another balloon. We shot it down. No, it didn't cross the whole country first. John Kirby at the White House. He's uh, briefing reporters. Anything specific to to what we've learned from that last platform, and you know, we did be, we were able to collect some information from it while it was in flight. That was another reason why uh, uh, we let it tra- traverse uh, over land the way it did. But I I, I would be uh, I, I, I would not say that information gleaned from our surveillance of that surveillance balloon provided insights that that permitted this detection and track and as of this moment are you convinced that you shot down uh, uh, do you know what you shot down that it wasn't just you know a harmless weather balloon uh, that you know that, that, that there was some motivation flying this over u.s airspace or is it is it truly <clears throat> i think we're going to try to learn more i can tell you it was an object it was at forty thousand feet and the the the, the predominant concern by the president was a safety of flight issue at that altitude. Remember the one that we shot down last Saturday, it was at 65 plus thousand feet. Um, so no threat to civilian aircraft. This one at 40,000 feet could have posed a, a threat to civilian aircraft and it did not appear to have uh, the maneuverable capability that the other one did. So, um, uh, you know, virtually at the uh, at the whim of the wind. Thank you, Crane. So just thank you, Kirby. So to follow up on what you just said about um, civilian aircraft, is that what you meant initially when you said there was a reasonable threat um, to shoot it down? Yes, my exact words were reasonable uh, threat to the safety of civilian flight. Okay, and... um, to, given what you said earlier about intent with regard to the Chinese spy balloon, does the U.S. give any credence to the Chinese argument that the balloon accidentally veered off course and ended up where it did? The, which You're talking about the one from last Chinese week? Yeah. yeah. There, is it, say, say that again? Or is it? Does the U.S. give any credence to the Chinese argument that this thing accidentally veered off course and ended up where it did? No. So, was it targeting specific places? Was it targeting military uh, sites? What we know is that the flight path it executed took it over sensitive military sites. What we also know is that it could maneuver, that it had propulsion capability and steerage capability um, and could slow down, speed up, um, and that it it was on a path to transit over sensitive military sites. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Admiral Kirby. On the latest object, you said it did not appear to have the maneuverability capabilities that the Chinese spy balloon have. Did it have any maneuverability, or was it flying on its own? At this time, all I, all I can tell you is it did not appear to have the ability to uh, to independently maneuver. We'll, we'll, 
uh, we'll attempt recovery and we'll see what we can learn more from. And then just, sorry, just one more on the Chinese spy balloon. Uh, we're reporting that the U.S. is about to impose export controls on Chinese companies that are believed to have been involved in that balloon surveillance program. Can you confirm that and say when the administration might impose those export controls? I'm not in a position to confirm those reports right now, um, and I'd refer you to the Department of Treasury. Thank you, Admiral. Um, I, I believe you said this was shot down, or at least it landed in the waters or the frozen waters off the, the coast of Alaska, correct? That is our so, initial assessment. So is the policy still, considering the first one was shot down off the east coast and this high altitude object was shot down off the west coast, is the policy at this point in time, you could shoot it down if it's over, over a body of water? I wouldn't derive from these two incidents some sort of policy uh, that, that comes out of it. Uh, we'll, at a, the, the president will always act in the best interest of the American people and international security. Um, last mm -hmm. week, we were talking about a surveillance asset um, that was purposely flown uh, over the continental United States. All right, so our safety was in served the case today, by letting we're it talking about clear the air. An object, again, we don't know a lot about it, but uh, but that at its altitude represented a potential threat to the safety of flying customers, uh, you know, civil air traffic. Over Alaska? Your broad and deep experience, who do you think might own or have flown this thing in the air? I have no idea. Good man. You know you don't know who owns it, who has flown it, but has anyone from the administration reached out to the Chinese to see whether they will claim this new object? I know of no outreach this afternoon to uh, the, the Chinese government about this. The State Department uh, over the weekend, or last few days, done these objective days, but since the first spy balloon, confirmed that they think that these Chinese spy balloons have gone over 40 countries. Considering that fact and this new development today, What's next on a larger diplomatic front? The U.S. talking with allies about how to police the skies, about how to bring this to the U.N. to figure out what to do? We are, we are talking to um, dozens of nations oh. uh, who we know have, um, have been overflown by Chinese surveillance uh, balloons, uh, part of this program that the Chinese have invested in, uh, to share with them the context and information that we've learned by the forensics we've done since we came in office about this particular program. And I would remind you that we, we briefed Congress in a classified setting back in August about this. This is not something we haven't been uh, trying to learn more about. Uh, we, we've been aware of it and trying to glean more information from it. And this, um, we expect that the, the recovery of the debris from the balloon we shot down on, on Saturday, last Saturday, will help us. Uh, gain even more information. Um, but we are in the active conversations with many of these countries who we know have been uh, overflown. Gotcha. Yeah, where specifically in Alaska was the high altitude object shot down? So I'm gonna, the Pentagon will be talking more about this a little bit later. They'll probably have uh, more detail uh, for you. But um, the general area would be just off the very, very north eastern part of Alaska, right near the Alaska-Canada border. So near the Arctic Ocean? There, well, yeah, in fact, that's where it went down on that, on that, on that northern side of Alaska, near the Canadian border, uh, on water that is frozen in the, uh, yes, in the Arctic Ocean. It was never over land. 
the no, it was. It, it was. Okay. Yeah. And it was shot down within the last hour. When did you said? When did the first? When did the U.S. first uh, get intelligence that it existed? Uh, the knowledge about the uh, the balloon uh, in the track uh, first came to our attention uh, last evening. Okay. What time thereabouts? I, I don't have an exact time on the clock for you. It was last right. evening. Well, it, it's, have you ruled out, I mean, or not ruled out, but you have not determined that it was surveillance in nature, correct? You we haven't ruled anything in or out. Um, we, we, and that, uh, that's why we're calling this thing an object. Um, and you just called it a balloon. You, you misspoke there. I'm sorry. sorry. It's not a, yes. I'm sorry. You, you guys have. You can't say it's a balloon either. You guys have me with balloon yeah. on the brain right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> this, was, this was an object. Let me just clarify. Balloons are objects. Balloons are objects. We're still trying to learn more from it. That it landed on on what on water that is frozen could help us assist, make it easier for us to to try to recover some of the debris. Uh, U.S. Northern Command is examining what the possibilities for that and are. Finally, you said you have no knowledge of any outreach to the Chinese yet uh, from from the administration. <laughs> are there plans to? reach out and ask whether they... I know of no plans to reach out to the Chinese specifically on this. I want to stress again, we don't know what entity owns this object. There's no indication that it's from uh, a nation or an institution or an individual. We just don't know. Foreign entity, right? We don't know who owns this object. Are you tracking any other similar objects right now at this time? I'm not aware of any other tracks. And then also, I know that you said that this was due to a civilian aircraft threat, um, but why not wait till it's over warmer water where you could ease more easily recover? Uh, the it wasn't mission? heading over warmer water. It was heading over the Arctic. It's Boom. not very warm. Boom. Thank Someone you, doesn't know their oceans. Um, one question on today's incident and then one on a separate subject, if I may. Given how little was known about this object at the time that our forces shot it down, is it safe to say that when the president ordered that it be shot down, he did not know whether it was a manned or unmanned object? We were able to uh, get some fighter aircraft up and around it uh, before uh, the order to shoot it down. and. The pilot's assessment was that this was not manned. Okay. But it could have been. There could have been people the inside the balloon. Address, minutes after or you finished delivering the State of the Union address. All right. Biden Let's go ahead and take a break. So we got the we got sort of the gist of it. Not a lot of details. Just that there was some object, kind of maybe, sort of looks like a balloon. Not sure. Floating around over Alaska, they shot that baby down, and uh, I think it landed on the ground. It didn't land in the water. I'm not sure. I wasn't clear on that. But uh, but now they are they're they're Johnny on the spot on taking out the balloons. All right. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. All right, so within the last hour, our government told us uh, they shot down another object. Maybe a balloon, maybe, not sure. Might be, but smaller. Don't know what it was doing, but it was hanging lower. Uh, it's about the size of a car, not the three buses that the other one was. Now, Chris, 
Chris Farrell had a very interesting uh, theory here. Chris, would you like to share your theory with the class? Hold it. About the, yeah, about the, the balloon, not a balloon, what it may have been doing up there, who may have... That uh, Canada is spying on Alaska? That, look, that could be it, too. You can never trust Canadians. Anybody that throws a eh, like that, like they do, sus. Total sus. Um, Gary wants to know, is there video similar to that from Surfside Beach? No, and see, this is, this is my biggest complaint here about how this all went down, is that we were not given enough notice so we could all go out and get the video of another balloon being popped so we can put it on Facebook so everybody can see just thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures and videos of the same balloon getting popped. How dare you deprive us, uh, us of, that, of, uh, of that glory, of that kind of social media experience where everything is blued out by a sky and a popped balloon. You can't see anything on your social media except that. Two six-packs of shiner, 99-cent butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. That igloo cooler Take a guess at all to do her I can feel a good one coming on Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard Sing along to Redneck Mother Any blues I had before are gone Another working week is over No chance of staying sober It's like the Biden administration, they're like, yo, all we came to do here is hide documents and shoot down balloons. It looks like we're about out of documents. Mm-hmm. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight, situation couldn't be more right. Feel a good one coming on I don't know. I'm just looking at the trend lines here, people. We had a three three bus length uh, uh, spy balloon. Now we got a one car length object, probably a balloon. I'm thinking next time. I mean, at this rate, like they're going to be sending over like party size balloons here. I don't know how we're going to see those. All right, I'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Don't break anything while I'm gone. Oh, no.